It's episode 11 time of 2 minutes for chatting and this week is mega clan news, mental breaking news week. That's what we're calling <laughs> the episode based on what's just happened just before we've come on air. So we'll be looking at that and uh, in particular clan's playoff plight, uh, how the playoffs are shaping up and our kind of take on the season overall and maybe if we've got time look at how we'd like next season to shape up and obviously there's been an extra span in the works with that with recent job losses so we'll see how we get on with that but basically any non-clan interested person uh, this maybe won't be an episode for you but it's a good one for us so I'm looking forward to this one yeah I'm looking forward to it as well plenty to talk about so may as well just may as well just get to it I suppose yep absolutely so the way it's shaped up as we've covered in past weeks is that clan were sitting I was going to say pretty but it's absolutely not anyway in 8th going into the last two games before the playoffs with Coventry hot in their heels and uh, as it turned out they managed to lose both games uh, Friday night uh, going down to Nottingham at Brayhead Arena. That was a pretty heavy 6-3 defeat. And then still with something to play for, going to Guildford on Saturday night and going down 3-1. So all in all, it didn't really go as planned. No, definitely not. <clears throat> um, I was at the game on, on Friday night. I think the team came out well, it started well. Got a couple of goals, a couple of goals fairly early on and um, just seemed to kind of crumble from that. I think uh, went in two one at the uh, the first break, and um, after that it was <laughs> it's pretty much just a, a completely different team that came out for the rest of the game. Uh, and do you think it was a, a different Nottingham as well? <laughs> uh, potentially, I think. Well, I think Tripp had alluded to that in his in his interview. He said that we, we caught Nottingham sleeping in the first period, and once they once they woke up, they just completely dominated us really. And uh, it, it was it started off pretty well, as you said, two 0 And then uh, was it just was it just a matter of Nottingham were too good for us, or was it more that we dropped dropped our level? Uh, I think it's maybe a wee bit of both. I think that uh, just judging by what I've seen over the over the season as a whole, it's kind of you know what you're going to get pretty much with the team. You're going to get probably one good period and two pretty bad periods. But I thought I thought Nottingham did step up their game as well. They they kind of came at us in the second and third, <clears throat> just completely shut us down. To be honest, um, and it was back to the usual kind of stuff for us, like not not being able to clear the zone and like string a couple of passes together. It just seemed impossible. Do you think there were a lot of nerves? Mm, I don't know. I don't. Or, well, even both in the crowd and on the ice. I don't know. I felt like um, the crowd get you know really behind the team, but. I'm not sure. I don't think it was. I don't think it was nerves that, that played a part in uh, in the team not performing well. Because I think some of the guys that you could see, they were, like you'd visibly see them like trying like kind of extra than what they than what they probably would in a in a normal game as such. But because I look, like you, you kind of look at guys like Adam Brace, like towards the end of the game, he was just he was just completely gassed, like just given absolutely everything, and just couldn't do any more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was obviously it was a disappointing way to start the weekend, and that essentially put 
uh, things in Coventry's hands if they manage to get two wins, uh, regardless of what happened on Saturday, as it was on Saturday, uh, the early kickoff, you could say. And I believe we took the lead in Guildford, but then eventually went down 3 1, by which time probably Coventry were had a good chunk of their game left and knew exactly what they needed to do. Yeah. That for some reason, whatever reason, this weekend just it was just a step too far for the team. Because I know Trip had talked beforehand about the, the sort of form, the form going into the weekend's fixtures, and obviously Bread were top of the, uh, the sort of form table, I guess, for the last sort of ten games or whatever it was. But it was just to me, it was just a bit of a mirage. To be honest, it was just uh, you kind of see. I don't know. I, I never really thought of the team as like being dominant at all throughout the season. They always have uh, sort of good maybe two or three game spells, but. Yeah, apart from Edinburgh games, really, in all honesty, you're never going in thinking this team's going to win it. And if you compare that to even even last year, really, with kind of some of the firepower we had, and then especially 14-15 uh, season, you went into games knowing that guys were going to turn up to play, and you know teams didn't look forward to playing us. But yeah, I think every team fancies or fancied uh, both coming into Brayhead. And uh, also, when we went on the road, I think too easy to get get to and too easy to play against. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would have had they had us earmarked as two points probably for probably for every game they were playing against us, especially five. Yeah. Now, of course, with us uh, losing that game, I believe that Coventry were down on regulation wins compared to us, so technically needed. Two points and the uh, two points over their their two games, and they got it the first night with a win in Manchester, seven four, high scoring one. I think regardless of what people say about this backup goalie chat and everything else in Manchester, this the the position was lost earlier in the season over the course of the season. You can't put it down to one game. That's that's my thoughts anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think maybe fans were just getting a bit annoyed because of the. The timing of the announcement, having just come after the the Nottingham game, <clears throat> I think Finnerty had actually replied to somebody, just saying that the he'd made the decision on Tuesday night or whatever, and that was that was always going to be the case, and um, that he was going to play the backup. But I just felt that the timing of it was a bit strange. Yeah, well, so that result killed off the chances for us and gave Coventry a a kind of free game on Sunday night, which they ended up. Uh, losing to Guildford anyway, but it didn't matter. And at least if we'd have, you know, won one of those games or whatever and tried to put some sort of pressure on that Sunday night game for Coventry, but as you said, sort of sums up the season and yeah. we we just weren't in it then. And that would have been an interesting bus ride back up from Guildford on Saturday night. I know, when I wanted to be on, on that bus. Friday night, the only two players that, that kind of get pass marks for me, I think were probably Brace and, and Hamelinen. I think I'd said that to you uh, at the time. But also that was, turns out, that it's uh, Hamelinen's last last game as well, our last home game, sorry, in front of in front of the fans. So that's maybe why he was putting on <coughs> a fair bit more effort. But um, I don't know, just the team, team as a whole was just flat. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we'll get on to kind of our thoughts on season stuff overall but no playoffs uh, for clan to look forward to so we'll just quickly touch on the other results and and what that really means for the playoffs then the clanless playoffs there are a few 
a few midweek games. I've just genuinely just run through scores. Nottingham beat Fife to one. Belfast racked up ten against Milton Keynes. Sheffield won in Fife one nil. A tense affair that one. By the sounds of it, a tight one. Yeah, Manchester getting a, a huge win in Cardiff, although Cardiff I think is still in league winning mode. Guildford beating Dundee three 0 and those th- that was all the Tuesday Wednesday. Saturday night you had Sheffield scoring eleven past Edinburgh. Nothing really more to be said <laughs> on that one. Milton Keynes beating five five two. Coventry getting that huge win. Manchester to basically seal their place seven four. Nottingham winning a, a close one in Dundee, 4-3. And then Cardiff bouncing back an 8-1 win. Revenge over Belfast. Then Sunday night, Belfast-Dundee finished 8-5. Guildford won 5-3 in Coventry. Sheffield 5-2 winners in Manchester. Cardiff hammering Milton Keynes 7-3. And then a close one between Edinburgh and Nottingham. 4-3 in the end to Nottingham. But as I'd said, I knew, I knew nothing would win that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so uh, that was the kind of soccer Saturday scores <laughs> read through. But I, I don't think there's any any need to spend more time on what happened. But it's just more interesting what that that leaves us looking like. So we've got four quarter final ties getting played in the next couple of weeks, and maybe just get your thoughts on each of those and how you see the semis. Uh, and maybe even the final progressing from that. Yeah, sure. First off, it's Cardiff who are playing Coventry. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure actually if this is in seed order. I believe it is, although I'd have to check that. I think did the higher seed automatically get home tie second, or is it their choice potentially? I think it's their choice. Yeah, so anyway, your thoughts on uh, Cardiff against Coventry? Uh, I think that would definitely be a, a more interesting tie had we been playing Cardiff. We know what Coventry can do. They've done it before, managing to get to the uh, playoff final weekend. But for me, it's just, there's only one team that's going to that's gonna win it, in my opinion. It's Cardiff. Yeah, and, and that is in, in seeding order. So the, the teams uh, first there are finished higher. So Nottingham kind of sneak up, snuck, uh, snuck up on Belfast there to get the higher seeding but with uh, Cardiff and Coventry you're saying that that's a, a Cardiff win yeah I'm going to take Cardiff I think yeah they're just I mean they're just too strong for, for any other team over the over the season so I can't really see Coventry although having said that obviously Coventry have had a good run of form obviously in, in their sort of operation playoffs but nah I just, just can't see it I just think Cardiff are going to be too strong yeah, I think we discussed this as well um, at the weekend. If you'd put that in a, a one-off situation, all four of these really could go either way, but I think over the, the course of two legs, the depth and quality of Cardiff I've got will probably just just come through, but I, I can't help but feel Coventry will give a better account of themselves than we probably would have, but you never really know. So I'd agree with you there, Cardiff, just to get through that one. Yeah. Manchester Fife, Finnerty faces Fife again. Yeah, his old nemesis. Yeah, from the playoffs uh, a couple of years ago. I'm actually kind of I'm struggling with this one a wee bit. Yes, this is this is a close one because both teams are extremely strong uh, in their own rink. 
yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's the issue. It could probably just come down to aggregate score at the end of the day, but no, I don't know. I actually don't know. I'll go I'll I'll go with Manchester just although I haven't said that again there. They've kind of dropped the form a wee bit, but I guess over the weekend, but they already knew they were finishing second, so Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I feel like I could quite confidently go with Manchester in this. As good as Fife have been, I just think the scoring power and stuff that Manchester have got mm. overall, I can see it absolutely being a high a high scoring one, but um, I just think Manchester have got too much quality there. But again, Fife at home is always a tough one. I think Manchester would be happy to come out there level. Yeah. Or maybe even a goal down or something like that. It's a tough place to go. Assuming they take the home leg second. But they played really well in, in Altrincham, so I see them coming through that one. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, if I was pressed, I would probably take Manchester as well, but you just never know. The, the third tie is Sheffield against Guildford. Now, I obviously want Guildford to win that one. I think most probably do that aren't Steelers fans. But... Um, that's again another close one because Sheffield you get that inconsistency at times it's the same with Guildford but I think probably just Sheffield's presence and nous I guess you could say in these sorts of knockout games puts them favourites just for me Yeah. As, as dangerous as Guildford are I think Sheffield potentially tactically and over the two legs probably get the job done but a lot depends on you know, the big players for Guildford, how good the likes of Dunbar, Accurate, etc. are. Because Sheffield obviously aren't as good as they have been in, in the past, but yeah. having that that home advantage, if you like, is quite big. Yeah, I agree. Sheffield being sort of seasoned veterans and managing to get to the, to the, <coughs> the playoff finals weekend on a, on a fairly regular basis um, will, will kind of edge it for me, I think they'll be too strong for Guildford. I think they will try to, if they try to kind of isolate and sort of shut down players like Dunbar and Akrad, like you said, because um, that's that's obviously where the where the main focus of uh, Guildford's plays come from. And uh, obviously, both both guys have had like probably well, it's probably about a hundred assists between them, maybe even over that uh, over the course of the season. So I think if Sheffield managed to shut them down coming forward then uh, I think they'll be I think they'll be too strong yeah no absolutely um, as you said it's it's really about a number of key players for Guildford and how they get on but you, you look at the the points table I've got it up now and you've got Dunbar who's second highest point scorer in the league just two points behind Hammond uh, 81 points and then you've got Cruz Reddick as well yeah who's got 66 points um, is that actually outscored Dunbar 27 goals but then going down to as you said the, the defensemen they've got really active kind of mobile defensemen Akerud's got 60 points from 55 games 20 of those been goals 40 assists tremendous really yeah and that actually Jesse Craig who is probably you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, Andrew Hotham at Cardiff being the best defenseman in the league, but Craig's actually finished with 63 points, which is two, two ahead of Hotham, and he's top of the table. So 52 assists from 56 games, that's a great return for a defenseman. 
and it's guys like Craig and Acred who have kind of gone under the radar of other teams. Yeah. Um, in te- terms of signings, and I'll be absolutely certain that both of those will be getting offers from most teams in the league. You'd like to think, especially the the bigger ones who can probably offer more money and things like that, but they've been great for the league and I'd love to see them beat Sheffield in true Kevin Keegan style. <laughs> I would love it if they beat them. Even just for the highlights, Guy, the video. True. I'd love to see him going absolutely off his nut, although I don't think that would ever happen. No. Too calm. Well, you said there was a new guy. There is. There is. So they've, <laughs> they've had two North American highlights narrators. The second one is just, I thought the first guy was good, but this is just another level. <laughs> I would happily watch a full game with that guy commentating, but the way they do it in the kind of short snippets, I think it just it sounds great. Yeah. But whether that has any effect on the actual on-ice product is, let's just say, questionable. <laughs> so I'm saying, unfortunately, I think Sheffield may be just, but you agreeing with that? Yeah, I'm going to go Sheffield as well. I just get too much in there. So we're done with Locker? Locker, yeah, I'll do. Kit bag? <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Any any superlative you could use there. Yeah. No, I think I think we're probably just about agreed on that one. The last one, if you thought Manchester Fife was gonna be tight, I think Nottingham Belfast is potentially even closer to call. Even just going by the league table, you've got one point separating the two of them. And that that's really gonna be I think a matter of who finds their best form on that night because you've got two teams there who are difficult to predict which which version is going to turn up if you know what I mean yeah you've had at times a really good sort of devastating Belfast free scoring um, and then you've got the losing at home to Edinburgh and even us Belfast yeah and then you've got the, the Champions League Nottingham and who started so well mm. and then obviously they dropped off as well so yeah, it's a big one, obviously, and that is potentially going to be Corey Nielsen's last game, and and uh, David Clark as well. So that's a bit extra motivation for them. Yeah, no. to try and get through that one. Yeah, no, that's true. That is one that could, that could go either way, um, like you say, depending on what team turns up on one night. So uh, I don't know, but I think Belfast at home they've been they've been quite poor of late. Um, I don't know, it's a difficult one to call. I think uh given the fact that there's normally there's normally like there's normally one upset. I guess this isn't really an upset either way, but I don't know, I might I might pick might go with Belfast. Yeah, I mean of course Nottingham have got this sort of recent pedigree in that in the playoffs, having won it a couple of a couple of years ago. So it's it's a tough one. I think just for how inconsistent Belfast have been. Although I'd probably prefer them to go through, I think I might take Nottingham in that one. Right, okay. Just their performance in, in big knockout games. Although Belfast having won that Challenge Cup final in Cardiff shows that they yeah. absolutely can do it on the night. But um, That's it, yeah, they can raise their game. Um, although Nottingham can as well. So it's just, I think it'll probably be the, it's definitely the toughest one to call for me. But I think it'll be probably the most interesting out of the four ties as well. Yeah. 
And then I kind of theoretically going on from that. Who do you see being the two teams uh, that are going to get to the final? Cardiff and whoever. I just I just think it's Cardiff's to lose, really. Like if they if they turn up, you know how they can play, and I just kind of sound like a broken record, but they just they have just been tremendous throughout the season. But yeah, for me, it's just it's Cardiff's to to lose, if you like. Yeah, I mean, kind of playing devil's advocate just to be interesting, obviously. <laughs> Cardiff devil's advocate. Cardiff Devils Advocate, yeah. That was funny. I didn't really realise I'd made such a a good patter joke. Um, last year, you'd have maybe said the same, although going into the final, obviously, it was a, a really long one. Sheffield won it in the end. But it just shows you that that dominant team through the year doesn't always translate into success at the playoff weekend. And then, of course, you had Dundee, who ran Cardiff really close in the semi, I remember. Yeah. Albeit a really good Dundee team last year. But I mean, Cardiff potentially could have been knocked out uh, in that semi-final as well. So, yeah. Whoever whoever plays them, I think, will fancy it. Yeah. I, I, I think, though, like that, I think they, they know how to kind of close out tight games, Cardiff. And I don't think we've seen any real consistency from any other team in the league, probably over the over the season, uh, but they kind of <clears throat> always seem to, to have an off night at, at some point, and Cardiff don't really tend to. Um, and if they do, it's once in a blue moon, pretty much. So yeah, I mean, they won it at a canter. It's ten points. They won it. Right. By. I mean, that just epitomises what they're all about, really. Yeah, for me, I do. I agree. I think Cardiff are definitely the ones to beat. But there's always that thing in the back of your mind that you know. Any team that's there has the potential to yeah. to do it. Even, you know, Fife have been completely discounted, but the way they started the season, you know, there's no reason why they can't string four good games together and yeah. and win it really. I know I guess that's the thing as well, is that they are only they are only sort of two legs. <laughs> Whereas if you had a what like, kind of uh, a proper sort of playoff run, like even even a best of three or something like that. That would probably give you a, a better idea of the teams that can perform well on a on a more regular basis. Is that matter for another time, maybe? Yeah. Well, we'll see how the the uh, quarterfinals kind of pan out, and then how embarrassed we are based on the predictions that we've just got horribly wrong. <laughs> so I guess without wasting any time, the big clan news that broke just before we started recording was that um, they've parted company with coach trip mm. and you know in a way that came maybe as a surprise in terms of you could say the timing of it you, you know so quickly after the weekend but on the other hand given how bad the season has been they're wanting to get things done quickly and avoid the the same mistake as has happened last year but again the big question is was it is it really john trip that the the majority of the the blame lies with, and I'm going to leave that question for you to answer. <laughs> well, I'm going to be I'm going to be diplomatic about my answer and say that I'm going to talk my way around about it, probably. Okay, good. <laughs> just for just for niceness. No, I don't know. It was, I think they've <clears throat> I think they've had to take swift action this year. Just obviously, last year we spent ages trying to get the right coach in. 
and then try to get the right players in. It just it just didn't work because at that point you've already you've already lost out on the the good players that were already at the club and any sort of any decent free agents that were about or any other players that, that would have been decent that we would have looked to have signed would have been snapped up by other clubs in our league and elsewhere. So I don't know what if it's I don't know if it's the right decision. I'm still trying. I don't know. There's there's pros and cons really for me. Yeah, no that that is that is absolutely sitting on the fence there. But I'll probably be thinking about doing the same. I mean, um, my kind of thoughts on him are that he's probably come into this league not really appreciating the quality of it. Obviously, he's not had much coaching experience in the past. Certainly, not successful coaching experience in that probably is underestimated in terms of what a coach that has knowledge and experience of winning actually brings. Yeah, You know, you've got last year, um, albeit he was a rookie, but if you look at, say, bringing in a coach who won some sort of championship, whatever it is last year, that's, that knowledge and experience of winning is potentially puts you at advantage over somebody who, like Trip, has come in with his team fighting off relegation sort of thing. Yeah. But no, I think I think he underestimated probably the league, the standard a player needed. But then you've got this this thing of he came in quite late and didn't have the same preparation time that hopefully a new coach this time will have. Yeah, no, no. no you make a good point there. Um, like that, he was, he was a rookie. I think he played for that team as well, wasn't he? And was it DAL too? And he managed to managed to keep them from being relegated. So it was obviously, you know, I think because he was around that team as well the season beforehand, I think a lot, a lot of the players knew what he was like and kind of knew how to motivate um, that particular team. But yeah, I think he did. I think he did underestimate the, the standard of the league as well. Uh, and you only, I mean, we were talking about it when when the signings were coming through last season, but or sorry, in, in the off season, but we were talking about the. The fact that there wasn't really a there wasn't really a sniper that obviously we had arguably three of them the season before or four of them even so you know that's kind of you, you kind of need a, a well balanced team and obviously he was he was trying to do that but it's just whether the resources were there for him. Yeah, no, I mean obviously it's it's tough if you don't know the league, you don't know the style and and what kind of works and what doesn't. You'd like to think some of that stuff was was looked into, but I mean even. Just as a guy, he had sort of mixed messages. You had the time where he kind of criticised the fans and then after that, everything seemed to turn on its head in terms of, you know, he was saying it's a good atmosphere and maybe just learning things like that about how fans and crowds, you know, take to comments and things. Um, A lot of the time recently even, I'd say, he sounded quite dejected in interviews and in front of cameras and that certainly is noticed by fans maybe not so much that the players don't really see that because it's a different atmosphere in, in the locker room I don't really doubt there was a good team spirit I don't get that impression at all Yeah, I just don't think he had a, a good enough team to work with and sort of almost ran out of ideas at the end yeah no I think that's it I don't he doesn't obviously strike you as the type of person that would take any shite so you wouldn't have had that in the in the dressing room at all. Uh, so it just I know what you mean. There was kinda there was the odd time when he was being interviewed and I was sort of questioning what he was saying and 
like even even at the weekend he was talking about uh, after the Nottingham game and he was talking about how the team were a great a great face off team and all that. But I, I literally counted <laughs> one two face offs the whole game. So that that to me isn't that's not the the markings of a good face off team in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, obviously we won't get into it, but things like that, face-offs and stuff, are so important. But that that's not really so much, well, it's the coach's match-ups and his recruitment. But maybe the more important thing there is is sort of seeing things that maybe fans and stuff aren't really agreeing with or whatever. And that's that can work both ways. You know, you see it in football where you get the managers who are always quite positive and sort of defending the players. And then you had times when Trick would go through spells of, you know, naming individual guys. <laughs> yeah. So it's it was maybe he was trying to adapt as he went along and yeah. think what really worked. And no, no, no. I, I didn't really dislike him. I think obviously, hope, hopefully, he does quite well. I think it'll be interesting to sort of track how he gets on. He'll have probably learnt quite a lot from this. I quite season. liked him as a as a guy. Uh, I just think maybe it's. It's just come a bit too soon for him, I think. He just doesn't really have enough coaching experience for me to kinda of walk into the league. So then you've got to you've got to ask yourself why was he why was he appointed in the first place, given it was such a, a jump to make. Like it was quite a dunno, what am I trying to say? Yeah. Well no, it's it's a big what I was gonna say is it, that it's a big job. Yeah. Definitely is now. You know, you're getting a team that's getting crowds of the size that clan do and the expectation and things and you know that says a lot about what uh, Finnerty kind of did in terms of setting up the expectation whether or not people agree if he should have gone or whatever the situation was there it's not for just now but I think it's shown that certainly to the management if you don't get that right it can go really badly wrong yeah that's that's the that's the thing really and it's just whether you know, people people higher up at the club are going to be held responsible for that decision. But I don't really know, to be honest. I'm, I don't really tend to, to bother with that side of it. I'm kind of mainly just focused on what, what the, the coach and the players bring. Uh, yep. So it's, no, I'm the same. I don't know. It's just it's a bit difficult for us, uh, given that we don't really, obviously we don't really have any sort of interaction with the people higher up at the club. No, I don't, I don't know. It was just... I think the, the job came too soon for Trip. I think had he had another couple of seasons and I get to grips with how uh, different styles work and how to kind of address interviews and stuff perhaps I think that was maybe one of his uh, one of his downfalls as well um, there was just a there was a couple of times he was talking about well obviously when he came in he was talking about how he was going to have a really hard working team and how yeah, we're going to build from the back and you know it just it just didn't happen for whatever reason yeah, I mean, I think we did have a hard-working team. Whether or not, I think so. I think, I think so, yeah. I think we had a hard-working team, but we had a team that lacked quality. Yeah, I think, yeah. No, I, I do agree to, to an extent. I just don't want to question players' effort and stuff, but I don't know. There was just there was games we were at, and it was just so flat. Like, I don't know. Again, that could just be down to what they're doing in training or, or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, there's only so much. You you need the combination of the effort and the ability. Aye. Obviously, you can have ability can only really get you so far. To use use a cliche, but 
mm-hmm. you need to have some of it. Yeah. You know, if you've got the hardest working team, but you've not really got any quality, which I think kind of is not too far off what what Clan had for the most part, or the players who we thought had quality didn't really deliver, as we'll probably get to. You end up with with what you what you see really. I know that's it. I think so, so. That's why that's why when I'm thinking about this player rating stuff for for a bit later, um, I've not really been hammered anybody really I think it's just more for me the fact that the ability wasn't there to live up to expectations but yeah no I think it's it's good for for different people's opinions on that yeah no definitely I mean you know there's there's all different kinds of scenarios as to why why it doesn't work out for players you know Um, I think a lot a lot of the players that we brought in as well were kind of uh, it was the first. It was the first year outside the US and, and Canada. Uh, it was, you know, it's a it's a big step for some. So we don't know whether that's come into it or not. But you know, we we can only we can only judge on what we see really on the ice at the end of the day. So it's nothing. It's obviously nothing personal against anybody. It's just what we are, what we perceive that we've seen pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So we we uh, ran a poll on yeah. the the Twitter account. And uh, it was kind of quite close for a wee while, but in the end, we've got sixty-five percent. Sorry, the the question was uh, <laughs> question asked. Should, <laughs> question asked um, should Clan have parted company with John Tripp after one season? Was that the correct decision? We had sixty-five percent yes, and obviously thirty-five no in the end. Another so in, I don't know. To be fair, yeah, it was kind of. <laughs> We just sprung. It was sprung upon us really before we came on. So I think, yeah, it was, it was a bit close. And I, I think, I think some people kind of do feel for Trip having not been given a full off season uh, to bring in whoever it was he was he was hoping to bring in. But you know, it's just it's just the way it goes. Um, the, the, the players that, that were brought in as a whole just never never worked out. Yeah, no, and I think that was um, kind of related to one of the things that. Somebody had said maybe on one of our social media accounts, can't remember specifically, but the players were brought in late in the day when you know Trip didn't have that chance to maybe get all the ones he wanted, and the potentially targets in the league had already been snapped up. So it's hard. It's hard to be definitive about saying was that the right decision. Yeah. No, I definitely, definitely, I get that. I think it was uh, it was Lisa Hunter that got in touch was just to say. Uh, got the players in too late, played the waiting game, and uh, plus the time we got a coach, all the good players were gone. So that's pretty much what we've, what we've touched on. Yeah, mind readers we are. <laughs> so, no, I think um, as we see the, the dust settles and we get news about uh, what's happening recruitment-wise, then there'll probably be more to say in terms of trip. Um and our thoughts on potential candidates, but there's really no point. It would be complete guesses, and I don't really know enough potential candidates to make it an interesting chat. To be honest, <laughs> nah, like, like he's just out the door as well. So I think, I think everybody's. Well, I hope everyone behind the scenes is, is working to the best of their knowledge to to try and get someone, someone in that's going to take the club forward because can't have another season like that. So when do you think? Uh, Pete Russell starting then. <laughs> well, he's got the he's got the European 
championships, isn't he? So. Yeah. Well, it's either going to be him or Corey Nielsen, so... <laughs> I don't see it being one of those two, but... Um, well, interestingly, he did. Yeah. He was released. Yeah, I saw that. So, he's a guy who's got a lot of experience, so you never know, even though that one it. True. But, I mean, they we go and, like, go back to the well again, or they we kind of look... No, exactly. Refreshing. You could say that Trip was a fresh face, but you, obviously you can still get a fresh, a fresh face who doesn't know anything about the league. Whatever you look at that that uh, Milton Keynes appointment, a guy with a lot of NHL experience as an assistant. I think we said uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, you'd like to think that we'll be able to attract a, a number of good candidates. We'll definitely be told that we are and that. <laughs> all the CVs are getting looked through and stuff but it'll be down to the final appointment we'll see what actually happens what you'll be told is get in early for your season ticket renewal yeah because this coach is going to be an absolute belter yeah you heard it here first so I just thought obviously this is pretty much a, a clan specific episode I was looking earlier today through some stats uh, on the team if we just kind of talk a bit about the team in the season as a whole now and then go on to some player ratings if that that works. Yep, all good. I'll just throw some kind of stuff out there that I'd seen we had in terms of points, which is probably the first thing that people look at when they're judging success of maybe the team, specifically individual players, but it was Brendan Brooks was our top point scorer and he got... 57 points in total of which 32 were goals and that's that's quite a good a good return in terms of goals I think uh, if I just have a look at that yeah that's that's joint second in terms of goals scored but overall in points that's 20th in the league and uh, for the first the first clan player in that table to be coming in at 20th kind of thing is uh, potentially not really what you want to see, is it? No, not at all. Especially given that, you know, Brooks is in the twilight of his career. Uh, I'm sure he won't. Not his career. <laughs> not his career. No, I think, like, you can, you can tell, you can tell, though, like, Brooks gives 100% every game that he plays. Uh, there were times I felt throughout the season where he did look tired when he was out there. But again, Bo... <laughs> I mean, we'll come on to this, but for for a thirty nine year old to be a top point scorer is not it's not ideal, really, is it? Yeah. Our next next in terms of points was a man who's kind of picked up after listening to the podcast, as as we've said, was uh, Adam Brace, forty one points. Firstly, that that gap between your top and second point scorer is too much, really, in my opinion. Yeah. And then for for your second point scorer to only be getting forty one is is not going to really lead to to much success. And uh, no. you know at times the the defence sort of went through spells of starting to look a bit more solid, and then we had periods where we just we couldn't really score. And looking at that at those points totals, it it shows that um, in the end we only got fifty four points from fifty six games, and you're not really going to be hurting many teams with that sort of return not at all that's well pretty much that's like taking every game to overtime and then losing which is what we would have done anyway yeah 
had the game got to overtime. So yeah, would that have been a better season? That's the question. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no. Oh well, then that's a pretty definitive answer. <laughs> no, I don't think it's, it's definitely not. You would, you would definitely. No, you always, you always want to win games. Of course, you do. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in the end, with the same number of points, it's it's a kind of depressing thought. What we need is some some overtime guru to come in. Yeah, there's a there's an issue there, and who knows what it is. Dump and chase, get rid of him. Who knows what it is, but we just can't can't seem to do it in overtime. I, I don't know how many games we've won in overtime or penalties. What our percentage is? Be worthwhile maybe looking at that. Probably about the same as uh, Edinburgh's win ratio this year. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Going down further down the list, you've got Doty on thirty five. Closely followed by Tyler Schofield, who obviously was that was a blow losing him. There's no doubt. Again, I, I, you know, I was quite impressed by him in the main, but I can't help feeling that having him would have uh, only kind of papered over some cracks, really. Yeah, I think <clears throat> can I take that into consideration? Like, obviously, Schofield missed a lot of games towards the end of the year, but um, Brace also missed a few games as well uh, through injury, so. Again, we'll, we'll probably come on to it in a wee bit, but just kind of talking through them. So, like, obviously, Doty in 35 points and uh, Schofield in 34, it's not, it's not really enough. Yep. A couple that I picked out in terms of point production. I know we'd said before Hamelainen was more of a sort of steady player, but I think I'd have liked to see maybe more than 21 points from him. You know, he, he, could, he could score the odd goal, but... I think you're looking for a guy with a bit more experience like that to maybe produce more, but then if you're in a team that's struggling, it's hard to, to pick out individuals, really. Probably the, the main one for me is, is Petone, 25 points. Now, obviously, he's had injury problems as well, but before the season, I think most people are looking at that and they're kind of earmarking him as, as one of the Premier players on in our lineup. Yeah, I think he, he was the one that, that came in with the that best CV, I guess, if you want to call it that. But just for whatever reason, just can can get the can get the points the points on the board. A bit like Hamelinen as well. We don't know what these what these guys go through. If it's you know it's a first time playing in the UK, so it is a big it is a big change um, for some people, and maybe they just didn't settle down as as much as others can. Yeah, seven goals from 37 games and uh, 18 assists. So I think, I mean, I, I don't want, as I said, I don't want to really be hammering players, but he'll know himself that he'll have wanted more and whether he came in expecting more is, is yet to be seen. But yeah, I think that kind of thing was, was a disappointment and potentially part of the reason that, you know, we didn't, didn't do so well. But again, the likes of Peacock, I'd probably want, more from him in terms of point production, knowing what he has done and is capable of in this league, yeah. which is the main thing. Tw- Twenty-three points from forty-three for him. Obviously, knowing having that experience of the league, I think is quite a big thing. So, I'd be kind of wanting him to be nearer, close, pushing, pushing closer to a point a game. Yeah. Than that, I think he's he's got the ability to do that. Then the likes of Haywood, your your Brit guys, I don't think. Haywood, I know we're going to do ratings soon, but just while I'm on points, I think Haywood would fancy more. I believe that was his lowest total 
So far, Mackenzie the same. And it's just the small details, getting production from all the lines. I remember quite a lot a lot trips saying, you know, we played well, but we weren't getting performance from this line. And it would change most weeks, so we never seemed to get that full 16 no, minutes from four lines. And I think as well, like, Mackenzie didn't really get as much ice time this year as he probably would have done in, in seasons gone past. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, no, you have to. Yeah. You absolutely have to look at that, which is why I'm, I'm holding off being mega critical mode. So moving on to a couple of defensemen that that I picked out, you've got two guys who you could probably say, or you could have probably expected before the season even started, would be our two high-scoring defensemen. You've got Cameron Burt, who got six and twenty-six for thirty-two points, and he was thirteenth overall in terms of point scoring defenceman and Oslansky 9 plus 18 for 27 and he was 16th so I mean you look at guys like Jesse Craig for Guildford who probably having the best season that they could have expected but they're getting 63 points which is sort of double Burt's return and I think to be fair to Burt he really did come on a lot as the season progressed but We've got to have more from our defensemen in terms of point production as well, I think, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. But if you remember back to the start of the year, it was Ed Burke and Oslansky that were just sort of free-flowing, just sort of skating all over the place and uh, just kind of leaving the D a bit short and obviously that's where some of the issues came at the start of the year. But, you know, never really... Never really contributed in, in terms of points like uh, at the start of the year. In the same way that obviously all these other guys you mentioned, Jesse Craig, Cali Alcard and Andrew Hotham have have for the, for for their teams. So yeah. It's difficult obviously as a as a D man, you're you're basically looking for assists. That's that's the kind of main thing, I think, for me. And you had that you had that with Scott Arson probably for a good number of seasons anyway. Yeah, I was just gonna just gonna mention that. I mean, you look at the the other defensive point scorers here. Um, a lot of them are kind of you know coming in twos or threes for the other team, where they've got that mix of really good offensive guys in the blue line, and then the other guys who are kind of a lot more solid. Um, so obviously, Guildford, I think, probably are the exception. Accurate twenty goals. That's <laughs> kind of obscene, almost. <laughs> well, his shot definitely is, but. You look at like Ben O'Connor and Mark Matheson for Sheffield, as well as Arson. Arson only twenty three points this year, but if you add that twenty three points into our team in place of someone else, that's that's a huge difference. Even Cody Carlson, who came in late, only played twenty seven games, and we saw him last year. But he's getting just about a point a game there. So point points from the defensemen are. Probably, I think, underrated when people are looking at, you know, why did a team not do so well? It's not just forwards point production, it's a, a sort of team game. Again, Milton Keynes, Paul Phillips, Carl Hudson, mm-hmm. 39, 38 points respectively. Nottingham, Sove and Billingsley, etc. Fife even. So most other teams there have got a couple of guys who are yeah. right Right up there. I know, that's it. You've got 
obviously the, the teams at the top of the league are going to be they're going to have these these types of guys in their team. So just, that's just the way it goes. It seems to happen every year. And just looking through there, you've got, as you say, a couple of the Cardiff guys, a couple of Guildford players, Belfast, Sheffield, Fife, Manchester. So like, all these guys have, have made the playoffs and, and rightly so. So we do we definitely needs addressed for next season, I think. Yeah. Moving on to goaltending. And I mean, Gary Russell's not really, not really played much, so I'm... No reluctant to sort of touch on him at all so but how many games did they play uh, I think he played four or something like that really not many but so it's 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 Nye that really comes under the microscope and in general I don't think Nye's had a bad season when you look at it to be honest that's that's my thoughts Um, he's third in terms of saves with 1,525. Now, obviously, that's a byproduct of we know how many shots the defenseman sort of let up and stuff, especially at the start of the season. But, you know, I, I think he's... I don't dislike Nye. I don't think he was the reason that the season ended up how it did. You maybe got a different thought. Um, but tied second for losses, again, that's harsh. That's a, a team thing. 26 losses in the season is just... Far too many. He was the seventh seventh position for goals against average. So he conceded 3.08 goals per game. Which, interestingly, just looking back at Ryan Nice stats, that's actually the lowest in a wee while that he's conceded. So, I mean, God help <laughs> what, what it must have been like before for him. But as we've said a number of times, he's... Uh, he was signed to face a lot of shots and that's kind of been proven, but 3.08 goals against that game's obviously something you don't want to bring down. Yeah, definitely. 163 goals, that, that equates to but a 90.3% save percentage, which is, uh, you know, it's fairly respectable. Yeah, I think so. Like, if you're getting over 90%, that's your kind of, that's the benchmark for for most uh, goaltenders each season, so you know he, he has managed to get over that. But I just, just the, just the sheer volume of, of shots that he was that he was getting, it's a game in, game out. Obviously, that's where you get your. That's why he's sat mid the table and 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 the goalie stats. Uh, I guess you could say, but uh, no, I do. I, I did like Ryan. I have to say, um, but I just, I, I don't know. It's just. Is he going to? Is, is he one of these keepers that that, would, that prefers getting tons of shots? Is that yeah, that? That yeah. way he's kind of he's kind of focused. You know, he's focused for the full game. I guess if you like, you know, how, how would they react yep. if if the defense was good <laughs> or better? better. Or better. Um, just before we then probably go into the player ratings, I've got one more set of stats that I picked out that I think's just as important as any other and that's um, special teams <laughs> uh, it just sounds great I love saying special teams we were 11th in goals for on the power play so we'll talk about power play first <laughs> so that's 36 goals on the power play and as a comparison Cardiff scored 71 power play goals this year but potentially more alarmingly, Edinburgh scored 30 
which is only obviously six, six fewer than us. So in terms of percentage, that was 18.27. Yeah. And that's ninth, ninth in the league. Almost sound negligible compared to how often you would score normally in a game. Yeah. So, nah, it's and nonsense really. I don't know what this really says. You can answer this, but last year, I just did a quick comparison. Last year, we were third in the league and our percentage was 18.93. So... Oh really? I mean, obviously, obviously, when your percentage is 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 set at something late in the season, it's hard to change it. Yeah. But that jump, regardless of how close the percentages are, really, from the third best in the league to to the ninth is is going to make a huge difference as well. That's a crucial part of the game. No, I, I'm. I was just more surprised that we were third last season, considering that you know there was still obviously uh, a lot of issues there. Uh, on the power play, despite having uh, the likes of the likes of Pitt, Becker and Hammond and, and Levitt and whatever, I felt like that was still an issue last season. So yeah, I mean, just looking at it from last year, Cardiff were top. We know how good their sort of special teams are and stuff. Andrew Lords obviously get that nailed, which is something I think we really need to focus on next year. But yeah, part of a long list of other things. Yeah, of course. Um, this is just basically repeating the obvious. That's how we get paid here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Belfast, 18.98%, and then us on 18.93. And then a huge jump down to Sheffield, who are 18.22 in fourth, which is actually less than our percentage this year. So, I mean, obviously there's there's a bit of disparity there, but just taking it in context, it needs to it needs to improve. We had... I know we love a good shorthanded goal on this podcast. We were sixth for shorthanded goals against. Oh, yeah. So, mid-table. We conceded nine, with 11 being the most, I believe. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's not really too interesting, but just picking out more things that made clan season look pretty bad. The penalty kill, we were fourth best with... 47 goals against and uh, that's a 79 just short of 80% which is better certainly given that last year we were sixth in that regard albeit with a, a greater percentage of a greater kill percentage fourth is not really something you can complain about too much and uh, I think if I hadn't seen that stat I would have probably said our penalty kill was Passable, yeah, I probably um, probably would have said that as well. In terms of shorthanded goals for for us, I think we are quite low down on that on that regard. But um, ninth, actually, yeah, just it's not really anything to go on, I guess. But it's just just some more stats, some more stats for you. Yeah, the the best Sheffield did the best penalty kill with eighty eight percent, and it was five on eighty four, but. I mean, eighty-eight percent. That's that's solid. That's very, very impressive, and it would give you a lot of confidence, you know, going in that nine out of ten times you're you're seeing that off. So we'll see. I mean, different coaches obviously have different uh, ideas about special teams and stuff. So we'll see how that ends up. We'll just then go go through our player ratings and brief comments and whether or not you'd you'd have them back next year. Obviously, John Tripp aside, yeah. 
and maybe how his relationship was to individual players. Mm-hmm. Take that out of it. But it'll be a good way to sort of finish up what we've been talking about. Sure. So I've basically just got the elite prospects list and we'll run through it and compare, see what we think. As we'd said just off air, we won't mention the likes of Russell, Greaveson, Esders, Tanaka, Hartman. (laughs) (laughs) Just because there's no point, really. Not even worthwhile, didn't didn't really play a part. So, Do you... What we'll do is we'll go down it and we'll alternate first and second. Okay. So what we've done is uh, come up with a, a genius system that's a rating between 1 and 10, and then we've a, we'll attach a, a yes or no plus explanation to whether we'd like to see them back. So Yes or no? Go tenders, defensemen, and then forwards. Um, so if I start off, okay. Nye, Ryan Nye, I've given him a 7 out of 10. Okay. And I think you might be laughing, thinking that's a bit high, but I think he's done fairly well this year considering what's been around him. Looking at those stats coming in, I think I'd have said I want a keeper that's minimum 90%. Yep. And I think, you know, he pulls off quite a few big saves, albeit he's a bit kind of tetchy, if you could say so at times. But I think it'd be unfair to, to say that he's the reason for any of the problems that I've said. You could maybe argue he'd be closer to a six, but Maybe I've been quite nice in these ratings, we'll find out. No, the, the reason why I was laughing is because I've also given my seven. Right, okay. I was just wondering how many how many of these were, were going to be similar. But Okay, I thought you were laughing because we were miles off. No, no, no. No, I agree. I think he's I think he's been great at times right now. Because he is a bit theatrical, but he has he has been great at times, but other times he's he's maybe been one and he's kind of positioning. I seem to remember a, a couple of times, but that's maybe just been a bit harsh considering how many shots he's had to face this season. So I've given him a seven. Would I have him back for next year? I'm going to say no. Right, okay. I think I probably would. It's tough. I'm not sure whether you you use this. Am I thinking that he's obviously got experience of the league in it and see him next year, he's, he's going to be better. But yeah. then on the other hand, you've got all the players who've seen specific keepers play, what their tendencies are, etc. So that's like a a double-edged sword. But I wouldn't be, he's in the I wouldn't be unhappy to see him back category. So I'll say yes for me. No, not at all. I wouldn't wouldn't be be unhappy if he came back. I just wonder if he is just one of those keepers that prefers taking the shots. And that's something that, that I'd be looking for next year. Certainly. Yeah. Okay, so... On to the D, because we're skipping Russell. Uh, Christopher Bjorklund, what are you going for with him? Okay, uh, Bjorklund, I've given Bjorklund a, an eight over the season. I think he's he's the most underrated player in the team. I think he's very consistent at what he does. Only a couple of times I seem to remember he's maybe given the puck away for, for goals. I think it was probably a time where everyone in the D was doing it. I just think... Overall, I think Bjorklund said that he's had a very good season considering uh, previous previous campaigns with uh, with Sheffield. He's just he seemed to have had a, a better offer elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, he actually stayed this time. Yeah, 
No, I, I've not been impressed with him anyway. I think it's interesting. Obviously, there was a comment. I can't remember what it was. He was asked about his time in Sheffield or whatever, and he said, you know, it was all right. And then I'm sure on uh, Jerry McLaughlin's podcast, they had Russ Moyer on. They've had him on a few times. He's obviously up at Fife now. Played at Sheffield. And uh, he kind of had a wee dig as well in terms of, you know, they didn't want me back, didn't think I was good enough, so I can't wait to play them and beat them or whatever. So um, would you like to see Bjorkland back then, obviously? I think that's a yes, given you've given him an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I would I would like to see him back. I think maybe he needs to up his point production. I think that's maybe why I've I've given him an 8 rather than a, than a higher mark. But I think he's, he's been consistent and he is underrated for me. Yeah, I think maybe the points is why I have maybe given him a seven. Um, yeah. I do like him. I think he's a really calm player. Mm-hmm. And we don't have many sort of calming influences, I wouldn't say, on that team. Good in possession, clever, obviously knows what he's doing. Uh, I think with the right pairing, he can be really effective. And yeah, potentially you're looking for more points, but if he... If he's given playing around guys that are more productive, then I've absolutely no problems with that. So, yeah, I'd like to see Bjorkman back. Yeah, I would agree. I've given him an eight, but it was probably borderline, borderline seven or eight. Just giving the benefit of the doubt. Next guy is one of the fans' favourites now, Cameron Burt. I've given Cameron Burt a seven. I think potentially could have been higher, but he struggled a bit to adapt you know was kind of quite loved to turn the puck over at the start of the season although I don't think the amount of blame he got was was justified I'll put that out there I think he's has a big influence on the team he's our highest point scoring defenseman good skater always makes things happen I think sometimes good sometimes bad when he's on the ice but I think if you had a a physical if you added a couple of inches and a few pounds onto Cameron Burt, I think he'd be one of the elite defensemen in the league, to be honest. Yeah. And and I would I would have him back. Yeah. I would I would also have have him back. And I've also given him a seven. Purely I think purely based on like you've said, the start of the year he was just he was absolutely woeful at the start of the year. And it was around about that time where we were wondering where where any other players were going to come from. And uh, <laughs> already thinking like who who we could get rid of to to sort of bring someone else in to improve, and I think at the start of the season, Bert was was definitely up there amongst the amongst the fans' thoughts anyway. But now he is he, he's come on he's come on tremendously over the over the season, and he's definitely the the most improved player I would say in the roster. Yep. So I would I've given him a seven with the option to come back. If he if he manages to sort of maintain the level that he was towards the end of the year. Yeah. Next up is Craig Sescon. Craig Sescon, again, a bit like Bjorkland didn't didn't stand out as much. Uh, I guess that's what you kinda want in a in a D man. I just I just wonder though, is he is he too similar to, to Bjorkland in, in a way? I seem to remember he, he's cost he's cost a a number of goals as well. Um so it's a difficult one to, to sort of give a to give a rating on because you're not you're not really focusing on him a lot of the time because that's just part of his game. But I just wonder if if there's if there's room in the in the roster for for two guys like that. I think over the 
over the season, I'll give him a, a rating of seven as well. Would I have him back for next year? I would say no. I'm uh, going to be controversial here and pretty much completely disagree with most of the stuff you said. <laughs> I've got him as a five. Oof. I think he's completely different from Bjorkland. Okay. In terms of not near the level of Bjorkland. Mm. Uh, like skating ability and puck handling ability. I don't doubt he's does a, a joy. He's one of those kind of unseen guys. So potentially fives, a bit harsh moving to a six. But a couple of guys needed to really take the fall, I think, for the year in the defence. I think he's probably one of the two poorest defencemen. Just the mistakes I remember. And I just prefer a more mobile sort of puck moving defence and maybe that's part of it you definitely need these guys I've got I don't disagree with that but I just don't think he fits fits my kind of mould of what I like but then this is getting a bit personal (laughs) no I I don't know know. I know what you mean I I can I can see why you would why you would say that I think that's the reason why I wouldn't have him back is partly down to some of the things that you that you'd said there I think some of the mistakes he made just kind of stood out more for me I think we can get an upgrade. He, get, he brings you size, but I'd be looking for more of a sort of uh, McKeever type where really, really reliable and you genuinely don't remember him playing in Aye. a way. Saying that, you know, he's, he's a big, he's a physical presence and he, he kind of protects the keeper and, and things like that. He's not afraid to drop the gloves, but for me, probably n- not not as good as I, as I wanted going into the season, so... I'm going to say 5.5. <laughs> right, Mikal Gutwald mm. is next. And uh, a spoiler here, I've given him probably, let's just check, yes, I've okay. given him the highest rating of the team. I've given him an 8. I would say he's, I've just been really impressed by what he brings to the team in terms of really solid, don't remember him making many mistakes, physical can play forward, has scored some quite big goals uh, and adapted really quickly to the league coming in late. I think he's probably been this, one of the successes and for that reason I'm, I'm going to give him an 8. And I would, yeah, I'd like to see him back. I think we can build a, a good... Whether I want to see him as a forward, I think I quite liked him as a defenseman, I think, with, say, Bjorkland and Burt, you're starting with three pretty good players. Yeah. Here. No, I... Uh... I've actually given I've actually given Bjorkland a nine. Sorry. You've given Bjorkland a nine? No, I've not. I've given Gutvald a nine. Right, okay. For me he's been he's been the if you want to call it MVP of the season. I think you I think you have to give it to, to Gutvald. Considering he was he was he was brought in and you know, he's he's one of these guys that we seem to do quite a lot of is bring in and actually seem to perform or outperform the rest of the team in some ways. So for me, I've given him a nine. He can, like you say, he can play, he can play defence, he can play as a forward as well. I think um, against Nottingham, he started out. He started the first period. He was playing in defence, and then, and then he moved up to to forward right. for the rest of the game. So, I, to be honest, I wasn't really impressed with how he played against Nottingham on the whole. But then you, you have to, you have to remember that he is switching between. 
between the lines. So that game aside, he's just been a, a complete breath of fresh air to the league, and um, he's definitely one I would pinpoint. I think he would be the first the first name on the sheet for in terms of players you'd be looking to bring back. Yeah, I think he seems to have quite enjoyed it here, so maybe he he wants to come back as well, which would be great to see. Landon Oslansky. Sorry, is it me? Me first. Yeah, it's you, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oslansky. I think I'd seen that he's he's now he's moved to uh, Australia. I think he's playing summer league yep. with uh, Perth Thunder. Whether I would want him back next season. Uh, I think you have to look over the over the course of the season as we do every other player, but I think he came in and he, he started off as kind of being this sort of dominant D-man, uh, putting himself about, st- like sticking up for his teammates, getting involved in a few scraps at the, at the start of the season. And then he kind of, he kind of quietened down after after that. Um, whether that's Trip saying it to him or whether he's thinking, you know, maybe, like maybe he's thinking himself, he can't be taking all these uh, penalties, major penalties for fighting and stuff. I think he's got a, I think he's got a cracking shot on him. I think we never really saw that until probably after Christmas, you would argue. So I think as a as a rating for Oslansky, I've given him a six. Probably not one I would look to have back next year. What are your thoughts? I've given him a six as well. I think there are elements of his game that I like, as you said. Big shot, um, quite offensive. But again, I think we can do better for that. I think we've got a few guys there that can produce more if, if the same if not more points than him and you know as I said there are there have been times that I've been really impressed and then yeah. other times not so much but if he came back again he's another one if he came back I wouldn't be too unhappy but you've got to you've got to make make some harsh decisions so probably overall more as you said on the side of no but Sometimes, yes. <laughs> uh, next guy is Felix Poulin. Now, he obviously came in late, so we've not really seen as much as we'd like. I gave Poulin a six, knowing what he has done last year and what he can do. As you know, I, I quite like that, that sort of player. So I'd like to see him given another season with us, but that's on the condition that... Yeah. His point production is is much higher. You know, he he was leading, if not close to the top of the league last year. So, if you look at kind of splitting the defence into a few offensive production guys and some other solid guys, then he's got to up there with offensive production. But quite like that style of player, so uh, wouldn't be unhappy. But six from me. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I would definitely have him back. Yeah, uh, I'm giving him a seven though because I think he. He was a nice addition uh, to the team. He did kind of shore up the D for a wee bit when he came in. But likewise, as you said, you would, ideally you would want a bit more in terms of point production from him. And I think if we're going to bring him back next year, then I think he'll be he'll be looking to do that. Yep. No, agreed with, with that. Uh, last defenseman is sort of ever-present. The man of the furniture now, I guess, uh, Zach Sullivan. I don't really know where to, where to begin with, Sully, to be honest. For me, it's been his poorest season at the clan. I just think it, sometimes, I don't know if it's maybe a lack of 
communication with other other team members. I seem to remember that he, he kind of handled handled the pressure a bit a bit better when he was playing with the likes of uh, Chris Frank and uh, Zach Fitzgerald. That could just be because of who they were and how they put themselves about the ice and stuff. And I think Sully, I think Sully needs that kind of guy to to play alongside. For me, I think over the over the season, I've given Sully a six. That's maybe a bit generous, but you know what we can what he can bring. I just think that he, in terms of this season, I feel like he was there was a lot more mistakes from this season that I've noticed compared to other seasons. Yep, I've also given him a six, and I also agree it's his poorest season. I do like him. I think when he plays well, he's one of these guys that you notice being really solid, doing the simple things. Getting, getting pucks clear or getting sort of poke checks and stuff. But he, I'm expecting big things next year if he's back because he's he, that'll be his fifth year and he'll be technically experienced in that team. So yeah, in terms of a Brit defenseman, he's not up there in the league, and I think he will have ambitions to be, and I think Clan have to have ambitions to get him there because. Uh, a good British defenceman is few and far between. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Agree with what you said. So I was done with the done with the defenceman then. Yep. Yep. We're on to Adam Brace. Okay. And is it me? I'm first time at this time. Yeah, you're first this time. I've given Adam Brace a six point five. Going to seven. I think certainly started the season not so well. Kind of not really that visible in terms of what we'd heard. Came in with reputation of being a really good skater and stuff. I think since we started this podcast, he's picked up. Yeah. And obviously our second top highest point scorer. Mm. But I don't know, quite lightweight for me. And I think if utilised correctly, he could be really effective. Um, and, and as I said, he definitely did pick up. There's just, I don't know, something that, I'm not so much a fan of, but maybe his style or whatever it is about him. So I, I wouldn't be unhappy not to see him back. I just don't think he... I didn't get that same connection that I sometimes do with other players. And that's kind of an airy-fairy reason. But yeah, I, I know what you mean, though, because I, I know what the the type of players that we like to see. In terms of forwards, somebody with a wee bit of flair can you know, just kind of create something out of nothing. I don't think, I don't think Brace is that that kind of player. I've given him a six overall for the season, just taking into account anything sort of before February, in which he'd been as well. Not, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to be too harsh on the guy, but he just really wasn't, he wasn't doing it for, for whatever yeah. reason. You know, I just, I feel like towards the end, sort of February onwards, he was, his, his points production was getting up he definitely stepped up. He was one of the one of the few players that, that did uh, step up kind of considerably towards the end of the season. But for me, it was just it was too little, too late. Considering like how well he played at the end of the season, we know that he can play that way. So why wasn't he doing it for the for the full season? So for me, that's why I've given him a six. And would I have him back? Probably not. Yep, nothing, no complaints there. Pretty similar we've been so far. Give or take, Brooksy. Brooksy. If Brooksy isn't on that banner for next year, then it's a farce. Well, he has um, to be really in, in a bad season. Yeah, he has to be. He's the only, for me, other than Gutwald, seems to be the, the only standout 
player um, throughout the season in terms of his, his goal scoring. And he's been with us before. He's been with us before, yeah. You think maybe you think maybe Brooks would be the could become the new head coach? You never know. I mean that would be I don't think I would like that. He's obviously not he's not had a lot of No, I, I don't think I'd like it either. No. I think maybe an assistant, even if he if he stops playing or whatever. But Yeah. Uh, even in that, like in terms of that, he could become sort of Richard Hartman like where he is he is um, primarily a, a an assistant, but but could play if if necessary. And I think he would he would fit in really well. I've given I've given Brooks a nine rating over the season. Would have him back. It really just depends on on how he feels. To be honest, if he like if he feels that he could he could play another season, then absolutely I'd have him back. Yep. What are your thoughts on on Brooks' season? I've I've given him an eight. Yeah. And not. Not really for uh, for any particular reason. I think nobody deserved a nine. He's obviously our top point scorer. Gives a hundred percent. And as you say, if he wants to come back, yep, I think he's still he's still got enough in the tank to be of use to us. Yeah. Uh, also experienced in terms of knowing the league. So for me, yep, the standout seems to be a good guy to have around the dressing room as well. So mm-hmm. that obviously plays a big part in, in building in chemistry and stuff. So mm-hmm. aware that we're kind of rabbiting on a wee bit. Yeah. Next is yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Jordan <laughs> Wessa is next. I've given him a seven. Okay. Uh, just because I've been impressed with the effort and stuff and some of the signs that I've seen from him, and that's more a seven to try and push him on to even more ice and stuff in next year. Uh, mm. Hopefully he, he comes back and, and gets that and uh, eventually we get a, a really good kind of solid Brit, Brit player there. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've given him a seven as well. Possibly thinking about giving him more just in terms of, you can tell just the the heart that he puts into to every game. I just think he, he just needs that first goal, I think, to settle down a wee bit. Despite the despite the announcers wanting to give him one, even though he wasn't even he wasn't even on the he wasn't even on the ice at the time. So no, for for that reason, I've, I've given him a seven. And obviously, I think you you have to have um, Boessa back because if he can continue the way that he has been going, then I've got no doubts that he'll be he'll be a top draw prep. I think that's a good point that he would could really benefit from a goal. We've got next big JD Jacob Doty. Okay, I've given Doy a five for the season as a whole. It just strikes me as being a bit lazy at times on the ice. You can tell it. He can put himself about uh, when he wants to. It's just getting that. It's just getting that effort from hundred percent of the time. I just feel like he's passing at times. It's very lackluster and uh, quite lazy at, at tracking back and stuff. And obviously, he's not. He's not built to be a sort of end to end kind of guy but I just don't I feel at like times we were, we were carrying him as a team albeit he was he was brought in as a sort of tough guy to kind of come in come in from that sort of aspect and I think before the season we were maybe looking for somebody like that who would who would come in and be be the sort of tough guy but would be a forward rather than rather than a demon I think overall I think you have to look at what he's what he's contributed on the whole and uh I guess he's he's 
points production in terms of the rest of the team is is fairly up there. I just felt like he was. I don't know. I just felt, I just felt for me he was just he was just quite lazy at times, and it, it seemed to stick out more for me. So I think for that reason as well, I wouldn't have him back. Yep, I. Uh... I'm not fussed really about having him back either, but I have given him a six. I think, you know, he's kind of up there in terms of points and did find a role in a way in front of that net on the power play and stuff. Albeit the power plays, we said, not really that successful, but got a couple of quite big goals, made a nuisance of himself and, and was a presence, but not really much more than that. Didn't didn't excite me that much. So for that reason, six and... Uh, and I'm not not fussed about him for next year. Haywood, yeah, it's Agreed. it's me, isn't it? My first. Um, I've given Haywood a five, and uh, I just think that well, it's it's his lowest in terms of point production since he's he's been here. I think might be wrong, but it is a symptom of not maybe getting as much ice as he would want. But I kind of expect more now from Haywood, so. I feel like I can be a bit more harsh. I do like him, so and and obviously he is going to come back. But I've put him in the five category. Okay, I've given him a six. I think it's mainly because we know we know what uh, what Matt Haywood can what he can bring to the team. Whether I don't know, it was was a kind of strange line he was playing on. No, I don't know. I think I guess he is kind of you know he, he's been given this three year contract. To see him up to his, his 10, 10 year anniversary, and uh, obviously he's, he's been a good he's been a good servant to the team. Um, but it's just whether you know you kind of think is he is he potentially taking up a roster spot or somebody that could come in and do a better job in terms of in terms of Brits. But um, I think he's been solid enough that I wouldn't be. Obviously, he is coming back, but I wouldn't be disappointed yeah. if he if he's he, going for his testimonial year though. So if he wasn't, if that makes sense. <laughs> in two years I think isn't it um, Aye Captain this year Hamelainen I don't know whether to give Hamelainen a 6 or 7 I think it's basically because if you look at his point production it's not been great in terms of what he was brought in to do uh, being a captain I feel like that was a lot a lot of responsibility uh, for him and I uh, don't know if he was expecting it uh, to be honest when he was brought in uh, I was quite happy for Brooks to, to remain captain, uh, but you know, obviously, looking at what Hamelin has done through the years, um, you can see why he was he was given the captain. So I think maybe a wee bit for me is it's not really worked out for him. Uh, I think during the Q and A thing, he was he was saying that he was he was looking forward to to getting back home and stuff. So you can't really judge the guy for for that. Um, it was just it's obviously a tough year for him. Uh, Probably not the, the year he would have wanted, given it was his it was his last year before returning back to to Finland. So, but if he was if he was still available to come back, would I have him back? Probably not. He's a, he's a six for me, and you've basically covered it. I don't think yeah. he was the right fit for Brayhead, and that's not necessarily through his own fault. He didn't didn't really come across the captain that I would perceive as having at the team. And obviously that's Keith set a great example for that, but he was, he did do that. Um, there's just something missing, I think, be it the personality, even language barrier kind of thing. I don't know. So 
Mm. Yeah, six. Not not so much maybe his own fault, but given his experience, I maybe thought we would get more from, but don't want to be too critical. Um Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't think he would be the right fit to come back. Lapine, or is the guy the announcer keeps calling him Robbie Lapine? Robbie Lapine. I quite liked him as a as an addition. Um again coming in late on. I think he he lifted the team, albeit for a brief period. Not much in the way of point production there either, I don't think. Um, although, having said that, I did score a couple of important goals later on in the season. I thought he was a nice player, um, but just wasn't the kind of guy that we needed to bring in. I don't know if he, if he, added, if he added more to the team than Mike Kenback, uh, kind of as, as a whole, since he came in. I don't know, it's a, it's a difficult one as well. I've given him a seven, really, because I did I did think he was a good player, but it was just maybe too similar to what we to what we had already. Yeah, I don't think he... Sorry, I know I kind of interrupted you. Is he coming back? But he wasn't really visible for me, apart from the, the, the impact he had at the start. I've given him a six, a couple of good goals, but not really somebody that I would remember, nor... Feel what I, that I would want that I would want to come back. Yeah, can it remind me of a, a wee bit of Tony Dalman? Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of, in terms of point production as well, but um, nah, he's, he, he's not really he's not one that I've earmarked for for the return either. Last five, Barry McKenzie, and I think we went slightly out of order there, but <laughs> I'll go first. Um, is again, I think unfortunately, his poorest season. I've given him a five. Not as much ice maybe as he wanted. Kind of came in and out a wee bit of favour potentially with Trip and stuff. Does play a role, but um, for me, I think you'd maybe be looking to bring in fresh talent from whatever that is. I know he's a really hard worker and stuff, and like he would important on the penalty kill, and that's kind of overlooked because we did say we've got a good penalty kill, so you can't just look at points. But I just felt he wasn't as good as he maybe has been in the past. So I wouldn't be fussed if he didn't come back, but I know he does have a role and he's a, a real team guy, I think. Yeah, I agree pretty much with, with everything that you've said. I wouldn't be fussed if he came back or not, but he is that, that, that good sort of team player. He's good to have run about the dressing room, I think. If you ask any player who the, who the funniest guy in the team was, they would obviously say Barry McKenzie. So I think he certainly uh, gives his all when he's when he's on the ice. Um, but like like you say, I think he was coming in and out of favour in the team. Wasn't really. I didn't I didn't actually see him at all on Friday night. So it just kind of makes you wonder a wee bit. Can you have somebody like that in the team? Albeit he's a good sort of glue guy, and and that you know folk seem to get along with him fairly easily. But um, just in terms of on ice production, it's not really there. Moving on to Craig Peacock. Peaks. I've given Peaks a six for the season as a whole. I would have him back, having said that, because we know we know the kind of player that he can be. And I think if the new coach comes in, we'd be looking to get the best the best out of him. I feel like a bit like Bracey, he was quiet for most of the year and then towards the end of the season picked up a wee bit, started getting some some points on the board. But um for me, the, the main thing with, with Peacock is uh, consistency. I think he needs to be a lot more consistent. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can echo that really. I've given him a six as well. And I guess must do better is the kind of going phrase. I think he can give us more, especially if he does come back going into his third season here. So he should be fairly settled. We know what he can do. But I think if it doesn't work out from next year, it's probably not the right fit. So next year's a make or break for me with him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Petone. I've given Petone a five just because he's not lived up to the billing. And apart from one or two kind of sparks, I think uh, he's not not suited for here. So yeah. I, I wouldn't have him back. Um, I think he's been disappointing. I think, you know, people have kind of compared it to Jeff Ulmer. I think I, I've always said I would have liked Ulmer to maybe get a bit more of a chance over a season. Mm-hmm. But for me, Petone, uh five, he's, he's not, not done it in terms of points. You do get people saying, you know, the, the guys on the team saying he's a, a good team player and stuff. But for me, I, I need to see guys like that doing well on the ice. And he's not really looked up to speed, not really looked up to fitness, I don't think, at any point, and obviously had the injury. I just don't think it's gone well for him. Yeah, no, I agree. This was this was the one that I gave him a three to. I think that's definitely a bit harsh. Or maybe give him a four. Again, I just I would just pretty much echo what you've what you've said on Petona on the whole. Again, he was brought in with this, you know, it's our best C V from the roster. So I guess you can't really put too much into that. Because we don't know how these guys are gonna are gonna react when they when they come over and play here. I think as well maybe didn't maybe wasn't aware of the kind of the setup and uh, obviously the the league's the kind of main thing. You need to be playing you need to be playing well like game in game out rather than just towards the end. I of think the year. we're learning that CVs don't really do don't necessarily cut it in this league, and that shows you really the quality, I guess. But we are we're we're both yeah. agreed, I think on. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. You do kind of need somebody like that. I think yeah, you, you definitely need to, do. Yeah, with a bit of, a bit of experience, be it AHL or even NHL level, to kind of come in and, and help the younger guys. But nah, just for me, just for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out for him. Two left. Um, Tyler Schofield. Tyler Schofield. I've given Schofield a seven. Maybe been a wee bit generous. Uh, I think he is a good player. I think he's very lightweight. Judging by like obviously the, the injury that he's just had as well, obviously that's just you can't really put too much into that. But it just kind of strikes me as the, the kind of wrists. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of strikes me as the, the kind of guy that would um, that would pick up kind of niggly injuries and knocks here and there, and whether we can sort of carry somebody like that in the team. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I'm not really too sure. You know, he's, he's had good spells. I think at one point he was he was racking up the points at one point. Um, really kind of giving his all. But he also, had, he also had bad spells as well. Again, like quite a lot of the other players in the roster. So for me, I've given him a, a seven because his highlights were very good. Yeah. But would I have him back? Probably not. I've given him a seven. And I think having heard what you've said, the best way for me to describe him is a, a poor man Scott Pitt. Yeah. I think he, yes, needs to be more physical. And it's not it's not good ever to compare somebody to Pitt. Uh, it's hard. You might not see somebody as good as that for a while at Brayhead, but 
you know, Pitt was always, always fit. Could kind of cut it with the physical stuff. You know, he was a niggly sort of player, looked tough to play against. Didn't really shirk out. Was yeah. absolutely deadly given a chance. And I've got no doubt Schofield's a good finisher. You've seen it a couple of times, but I'd want him to be even more clinical. He's definitely fast, really mm-hmm. fast. I am going to say I, I wouldn't mind him coming back, but in the right role and made a 52-game season out of him, or 56 games. Yeah. Um, potentially needs protected in, as such in a way. Aye. But a, a seven from me. And finally, Tyler Shattuck. Now, I've given him a six, and I've seen flashes of good stuff from him. And certainly the second half of the season, I think he's been a lot more impressive. But again, kind of like Doty in a way seems sort of almost lackadaisical, but I think quite a good role player, but not enough. I didn't see enough to want him back. Hmm. Just too too inconsistent. Didn't, Didn't do it enough, early enough for me. Although obviously, again, a bit like Doty, quite good presence in front of the net and stuff. Showed some good skills as well for a big guy, but for me, six and happy enough to for him to leave. Yeah, I've also given him a six. Um, also, not bothered if he comes back or not. I would probably say I wouldn't want him back to be honest. Um, again, saw kind of glimpses of his brilliance again. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> what to be fair, like he actually, no, I know. It just sounded like it was some sort of god. <laughs> nah, nothing like it. But at times he was all right. Then he was uh, he was just decent. Not anywhere near consistent enough for me. Um, I felt like again, so um, from February onwards, he was he was decent. But before then, he was pretty much non-existent for me in the lineup. Uh, There's times where. I would go to the game. I would. I wasn't even aware that he was that he was on the ice or or anything. Yeah, he was another one that got injured as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but even before that, he was just. I don't know. It's for me. Seemed quite friendly with Embak, but interestingly, obviously his production improved when Embak left. So yeah, maybe he was too busy playing Jenga. I think that was what they did in that video, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Up until Embak left, but no, I agreed. So, well, then have you got? I mean, have I got coming back? One, two, three, four, five. I have it seven, eight, maybe. I don't. I'd need to listen back to remember what I even said. Um, but yeah, I think in general, obviously, pretty forgettable season. Yeah. Couple of highlights, but in terms of what we've covered, yeah, few guys that you'd look to have back, build the team around, maybe. But no, it's just been. Disappointing, really, in general, and you know, in a way, glad it's glad it's done. Yeah, definitely. We can start talking about other other crap now. Yeah. So I just think I guess we'll just probably round it off there. We've been going for a couple of hours now talking about this. We'll see how the playoffs kind of end up. The quarterfinal ties. Maybe do something after that, and then look to move on to team building over the summer and stuff yeah. like that. But it's been quite an enjoyable episode, I think. I uh, I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, no, I was. Yeah, enjoyed it myself. So hopefully everyone has some interesting things, or maybe not, to take away from that. Um, let us know what you think if there is anything. 
and we'll uh, catch you next time. See you later.